holidays, Merry Christmas, Happy Kwanzaa, whatever it is that you celebrate, it is that time of year. We are Horror Zone 607, and this is the podcast where we talk all things horror and bring you the week's biggest horror movie news. And this is a very special episode. It is Christmas week. We're not going to be doing the normal thing this week, but what we are going to be doing is starting the road to Scream 2022. And we're going to call this one, aptly put, Stabathon. But before we do that, let me introduce the man sitting to my right. He's my favorite version of Ghostface. He's rich. Oh, I'm glad that I'm somebody's favorite version of Ghostface. <laughs> I enjoy that. But uh, yeah, it's great. Uh, happy holidays to everybody out there, uh, whatever you're celebrating this week. And uh, it's, it's awesome that we, uh, even though technically we're on Christmas break here at Horror Zone 607, we can still bring you some entertainment and uh, enliven up your, your years. And like I said, it worked out perfectly because this is the week we had to start Stabathon because it's going to lead us right into Scream 2022. Yes, not to be confused with Scream 5. No. There's no such thing. Which, yeah, I'm, then, I'm going to try to stay off that rent as much as I can <laughs> until we get there. Because really, I, I understand, I, I'm just going to say this. I understand the logic that the new horror remakes and reboots are going back with, you know, you know Halloween 2018. Candyman did it with 2021. You know, but if you look at all of those, they were restarting something or erasing things. This is the first movie who has done this, who is a direct sequel to the predecessors. Because... It is a direct sequel to the first four movies. This isn't different. This is not Bizarro World. They're not remaking or rebooting. They literally are doing a direct sequel and going, okay, we're going to be like everybody else. Scream 2022 it is. Yeah. That, that's realize, the only thing that, that, by the way, that's the only thing that irritates me because this is the fifth movie in a franchise. And this is kind of like perfectly timed around it. This is actually the 25th anniversary of Scream. I know. It came out 25 years ago this month. Yeah, I know. Fucking great. I can't believe it. We're going to be talking about that in a minute. Because I that, went to that see is, that yeah. that year. I it's can't amazing. It. it is amazing. But once again, I hope you guys do enjoy this. And there is going to be no news. Because like I said, we are recording this early. So that way we can put it out for you guys. So we just want to make that clear. And uh, hopefully you guys enjoy it. But uh, Mike, I don't see any other reason to drag this out any further. I think it's time to get right into it. Because it's definitely time to start off Stabathon the right way. This music is some of the best music ever. I, I absolutely love Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds. Dude, this is this is one of those things when you think about iconic horror movie music, you usually think about a score piece. This is what I think of when I think about Scream. Yeah, and this was, uh, they carried this over to each of the films. Yes. They I hope it's going to be in the new one, too. I hope so, too. Um, of course, they added also bad other badass music because each one I think we're going to play a different, little bit different, but for the original, there's no way you can't play red right hand red right hand there's no way you couldn't i mean there there could be an argument of uh you know the the cover of uh a couple different covers that they do on this album uh one being youth of america yeah <laughs> uh don't fear the reaper which is probably the most famous one in the background of all i absolutely time. love that version of this yeah love that version of it that's what i want to cover someday if i ever do an so open mic night or something they have a really really cool uh a soundtrack and they have of course schools out 
Yeah. Alice Cooper's on this as well. They have really cool soundtracks. We're, I think we're going to talk about that probably inside of these reviews because the one thing that is synonymous, especially with the first three screen movies, is amazing soundtracks. Yeah. Like they yep. were one of the best soundtracks. And this is back in a time where, I mean, I guess for some of our younger listeners, they might not understand how big movie soundtracks were. And I'm not talking about score pieces. I'm talking about professional music on a soundtrack. Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Yeah. There's a lot of great soundtracks and every great movie or even bad ones, had soundtracks, and some of them were better than movies in some cases. And, uh, I mean, I've gone on record, and we'll get there eventually, of saying Scream 3 has the one of, the, one of, if not the greatest, soundtrack of all time. It's a big one. And Freddy vs. Jason also has an amazing soundtrack. There's Does quite it? a few out there. Yeah, yeah. So My uh, favorite ever was Forrest Gump. I'm just going to put that out really? there. Really? Well, Forrest Gump had every major fucking song you could ever hope there for. There was, like, it's a double disc. It was a three, maybe? I don't was, know. I it have it. It's at least two amount. discs. It's a crazy amount. I agree with you. But anyways, with that being said, though, uh, I, I'm sure we'll be talking about soundtracks in this just because of how awesome they were. But let's dive in. As you know, it's going to be set up as our normal reviews are set up. We are going to give you the uh, you know the little pre- all the all the information. Then we'll do our good, the bad, the ugly. Then we'll give the scores from the internet and then our scores. So we're not changing too much up. We're just keeping you guys in the loop. So let's go. Let's start. And I'm ready. Are you ready for Stabathon to begin? Let's do it. Uh, the original release date for the original Scream 20, 1996 is December 18th, 1996 in Los Angeles, California, December 20th, 1996, everywhere else around the world. Uh, the runtime is 111 minutes. It was distributed by Dimension Films and produced by Woods Entertainment. Uh, the movie was produced by Kathy Conrad and Carrie Woods. It was written. Can we say great or hit and miss? How do we do it for Kevin Williamson? Hit and miss. Hit and miss. He's done some great stuff, though. I don't want to wait. <laughs> hey, listen. I, I was a Dawson fan. You, so was you I. Shut you shut up. I like Dawson. Don't Creed. you judge me. But I mean, Kevin Williamson was the screen, the writer of this movie, and uh, he definitely sent a message all over Hollywood with this script, which was amazing. Of course, it was directed by the late, great, legendary Wes Craven, one of the best of all time. Cinematography done by Mark Irwin, edited by uh, Patrick Lucier, and the music was by Marco Beltrami, who has done quite a bit oh, in the horror realm. I didn't know that. Yeah, you didn't know that the originals that those are the score pieces. He did all the score pieces of this. No one. kidding. And uh, it kind of makes sense now. Actually, you know what? I didn't either. But now that I'm thinking about the like soundtrack of the movie, I'm like, makes sense. It makes sense. Yeah, it makes sense. Uh, this movie stars. By the way. I want to point out how star-studded this cast is, but at the time, these were just TV actors, except for one. And we'll except get to for her one. Last. Yeah. Uh, David Arquette, Nev Campbell, Courtney Cox, Matthew Lillard, Rose McGowan, Skeet Ulrich, and then, of course, the person who was featured on the poster, because she was the only movie star in this movie, Drew Barrymore. Yeah, and can we just talk about the we'll, opening we'll, scene? We'll start about that in a second. Like, like, I just want to let breathe about the other people. Uh, at the time, uh, Rose McGowan hadn't even hit her stride. She she hadn't even been on Charmed yet or anything. Yeah. This was really her first big break. First time I ever remember seeing Matthew her. Lillard had done SLC Punk, so he was kind of known in that circle, but he had not gone on to the success. This was really the kickoff to his success because yeah. later on he would be doing uh, the Scooby-Doo movies and such. Courtney Cox, of course, known for be- Friends. She was probably the biggest. Her and Drew Barrymore were the two biggest right. names. Courtney Cox arguably may have been the bigger of the two because of her fame and Friends. But think about it. Courtney Cox was known for Friends. She wasn't a Friends. movie star, though. The only movie of note. She had been in other movies, but the only movie of note that she had ever been in was Masters of the Universe. Oh, that's right. She is the the female lead, the final girl, if you will, in horror terms, of Masters of the Universe. Yeah. Yes, the shitty canon Dolph Lundgren film. <laughs> 
Nev Campbell at the time is the, is party one of the of stars five. of Party of Five. She was just ready to break out. And David Arquette was just doing B movies in spots. That's what David yeah, he Arquette was more of was just doing. like a like a character. He was in um, like Airheads. Yeah. Yeah, you know, but it was. But he was character. He was, not a, he, was a back, he was in the background. Yeah, he was just kind of a background character. Yeah, actor. he wasn't. He wasn't really. He wasn't even like the supporting actor. He was just somebody who had little bit roles. I mean, yeah. his most. I think his most famous role before this movie would be the friend of Lou Perry's in Buffy, Buffy the Vampire, the Vampire Slayer because yeah. he had the, his lines were, "Come on, man, let me in, yeah. dude." And I love the comeback. He's like, "Dude, you're flying." So what? Come on, let me in, man. He's like, there's some sketchy. We have about to this. review that. We someday. should do it, it's, dude. I love that. A, By the way, I love that movie. Yeah, so do it's, I. It's, it's not a great movie. It's but so I bad. Love that it's great. Uh, and of course, let's talk. The last guy I left off was Skeet Ulrich, who Skeet Ulrich. A lot of people were looking at as being the next Johnny Depp. At yeah, the he time. looked like. In fact, I remember at the time Saturday Night Live on Weekend Update, David Spade was finally hitting his stride after not doing much on that show for a long time. He did a skit on uh, Weekend Update called The Hollywood Minute. And I still remember when this movie came out, he flat he would like, just like s- say snarky things about people. And he showed a picture of, of Skeet Ulrich, and it was, hi, I have Johnny Depp's DNA or something. I, hi, I De- Johnny Depp called. He wants his DNA back or something along yeah. those lines. He, was, he so, was really touted as the next big thing. Yeah, he really was. And So that was a cool land for him. So doing, I mean, Wes Craven has done this over the years. I mean, Wes Craven... Gave Johnny Depp his first major motion picture. He was a nightmare. Yeah. So it's not like, you know, and here you go. Fast forward to 1996 in Skeet Ulrich. So, I mean, it it fits into the Wes Craven mold. You forgot somebody. We forgot about uh, Jamie Kennedy. Well, he wasn't listed on uh, the the short list, by the way. Really? On here. And I was going to get to Jamie Kennedy. At that time, he was an unknown comedic actor. Yeah. Unknown. Then this is like all these people became stars off of this movie. Liev Schreiber. Liev Schreiber is in the, briefly in this movie. This movie yeah. he's not in as much. Yeah, he, but he is in this movie. Shows up more in the sequels but because he shows up more on TV in this because he's yeah, still he's arrested. Just like a quick. At, well, he's still arrested in this movie. Yeah, he's in jail. He's in jail. But we do see him on the screen. So yeah, Liev Schreiber once again goes on to be a megastar as well. Like this movie really birthed a lot of stars. Uh, before one more, who else did I? Forget? The Fonz. Yes, Harry Winkler. The Fonz, Henry Winkler. Dude, there's so many people in this movie that even, even, Linda like, Blair? I have to scroll for days. Linda Blair does make a, dude, Linda Blair makes multiple appearances I in know. this franchise as multiple different characters. You know who else, what we get, well, we'll get to those later. I also want to point out that uh, they love to put, like, the little cameos in throughout, because we'll talk about it more throughout later, but, uh, I mean, Princess Leia shows up at one point in Juncture. Yeah. Uh, Omar Epps shows up. Yeah. Jada Pinkett, Pinkett Smith shows up. Yeah. Like, we'll talk about those in the other movies, but this franchise <laughs> kicks off with a, an immense amount of people. Yes. And and uh, before we jump into the synopsis of Scream, <clears throat> for those of you who don't know and have been living under a rock, I don't think I have to play a spoiler alert. There is going to be spoilers in this. But I, I don't, anyway, it's fun. Do you want, you want I me want to hear it. All right. So, ladies and gentlemen, you have been warned. We are going to be talking spoilers when we jump in the synopsis in our review. So, here is your spoiler alert. By the way, Rambo was such a badass movie. It's like Starsky and Hutch. Well, that's where it's from. It's Rambo. Is it? Yeah. It's it like something from Starsky and Hutch. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's Rambo. But yes, anyways. With that being said, uh, let's talk about the synopsis. So the synopsis of the film, I'm just going to do the basic synopsis of it. It is a small town of Woodsboro. And not Haley Mills, according to the professor. But <laughs> Haley it's, a small, Mills. it's a small town in Woodsboro. It's where Haley Mills was it's born. One of those, it's one of those towns where everybody knows everybody's name. A year prior to what's going to take place here, there was a gruesome killing of a young local woman, uh, uh, the mother of one of our main protagonists. Yes, Maureen Prescott. That's right. 
And now we now we don't know this at the time because the movie does open a year later. Yes. When all of a sudden the kills return in a big, bad way. And throughout this movie, the whole town is on edge trying to figure out who is committing the Woodsboro murders. Uh, fun fact about this movie, by the way, at one point in juncture, the screen treatment for this movie was named Scary Movie. Scary Movie. So later on, when the comedies came out, that's where they got the name from. So this movie was originally titled Scary Movie. I do believe that it was also at one point in Jired, The Woodsboro Murders. They were they were playing around with names, and then finally Wes Craven, because Wes Craven's a fucking genius, said, "Why don't we just call it Scream?" Yeah, uh, you got you got to, you got to appreciate a small. It gets you there, and the Woodsboro Murders ends up becoming Gail, the book, Gail Weathers' that's, book. That's what I was going to say. That's the best part about it. The book ends up becoming the Woodsboro Murders. It's, it's so there's always tie-ins to this movie and all the lore behind it. Uh, so let's get down. So with the, this movie is a classic whodunit as well as being a horror film. So I want to start with the positives. But before we do, there is one piece that we need to start with. And I think you you hit the nail on the head when you said it. The star of this movie on the posters, on everything, you would see the ghost face mask. You would see the little house in the back. The previews, the coming attractions. And you would see Drew Barrymore. Drew Barrymore. On the poster to this movie, there is only one celebrity's name on the poster. Well, the two if you count Wes Craven. Wes Craven presents Scream and Drew Barrymore. So all everybody's going, okay, they have this mega. Mind you, in 1996, Drew Barrymore is all, already a mega movie star. I mean, she, she was had a been in dozens and dozens of movies from the time she was a little kid. Well, yeah, but on top of that, she's still a mega movie But star. she was really big I mean, recently, I, I do believe she had been nominated for, uh, what was it, Boys on the Side? She had been nominated for an award it for It might that. have been. I'm pretty sure that was the one that got her the award uh, nomination. So, like, she is a serious actress. She is at the top of her game. And she would go to be leaps and bu- Like, let's be honest. Drew Barrymore is a megastar in Hollywood. Oh, yeah. To this day. Absolutely. She is royalty in Hollywood. And there's nothing wrong with that. I love Drew Barrymore. However, everybody would assume your final girl is Drew Barrymore. Absolutely. Everybody, except for one person. And it was the person who counted. And that person was Wes Craven. Wes Craven had this really weird idea that he pitched to Drew Barrymore, and she loved it from what we're told. I just want to point out that she auditioned for the role of Sidney Prescott. Yes. And it was assumed she was going to be Sidney Prescott. Right. And then Wes Craven had an idea. And he ran it by Drew Barrymore. And from what she said in interviews, she thought this was the greatest idea she's ever heard. Because the way he pitched it is there's only been one other movie in horror movie history who has taken a megastar and put them in the focal role and done this. Only they do it quicker and scream, by the way. Do you know what that other movie is? It's probably Psycho. Exactly. Janet Lee. Janet Lee. Janet Lee's the star of that film. She's in the movie longer, though. Yes. Let's be honest. Yeah. But she is the first death in that movie. So Wes Craven says to Drew Barrymore, hey, I got this great idea. <laughs> We're going to cast you in this role, and you're going to die first. Not only are you going to die first, you're going to die within the first 10 minutes. Yeah. And not only... I. I I was not a horror movie fan at this point. I've, I've talked about this many, many times on the show. The girl I was dating at the time, 
liked horror movies. I did not. I was mortified of them at the time. It was right after Christmas. She asked me to go to our our local mall here. It used to have a movie theater and a very, couple of little small ones in there. She asked me to go see it. And I remember I slept with a baseball bat for like three days after this movie came out because it scared me so much, even though now I look at it as more of a comedy. Um, but... Even I knew at the time that Drew Barrymore was being marketed as the big star of this movie. I knew what her reputation was as a Hollywood you know, movie star. When the opening scene happened, I remember sitting there. I remember the way that theater looked and everything. There was something different about that movie experience than anything else I ever remember seeing. And my jaw, I had to like pick it up off the floor and put it back on my face because I couldn't believe what I saw. Couldn't believe it. Well, like, it was so effective. Dude, it's so shocking. Not only that, it's a brutal scene. This movie oh, opens. This movie opens up on fire. We got the. We now have it as the iconic. Do you, do you like scary movies? And you get the ghost face voice instantly. She's yeah. playing along until it gets real. And then she's forced to play along. It's yeah. this nice cat and mouse, very Halloween esque. Oh, yeah. The original Halloween, I got that vibe. They were doing this very, I'm toying with my food, although it, verbal and, 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 and Michael Myers isn't verbal, but it's still that stalking. You're like The presence is there before, and then you see him in the background. Like, just, just pieces. You don't ever see the full on until it's ready. And then they go, and it becomes this action-packed, try to get away. You think she's going to get away. They do a great job. And like even up until the point of her death, even up to the point she gets outside, she's she's crawling, she looks like she might get away, you see her parents coming, you're like, oh man, this is where the parents are going to run the guy off, and that's going to be it, and then nope, he stabs her, and then the parents come out to find her disemboweled hanging from a tree. Yeah, and that scene had to be cut big time. Oh yeah. Big time. Oh yeah. I would like to see an uncut version of this movie, Ooh. which I don't think has ever come out to this day. No, there hasn't. There's been like but. some footage on like the documentaries for the, the releases. Yeah. They've never shown the uncut. They've just shown some extra footage. The the body cast that they used for that, I, I've always thought it was her with like some sort of like prosthetics or something nope. on her. It looked real. Yeah, it's amazing. And that's how we open the movie. And, that, and the reason why we were calling that opening scene is because that is what makes an iconic franchise. That opening scene alone lets you know that this is not your average movie. Yeah. This is going to be a great movie. And I think without that opening scene, without the genius of, of, of Wes Craven thinking about that, and without the bravery of a movie star like Drew Barrymore going, I'm willing to do that. Because that, by the way, well beneath her. Oh, At that yeah. point, Juncture, she could have said no. But it also shows that she's got a good sense of humor and that she doesn't take herself too seriously. And she enjoyed it. Like to this day, she yeah. does interviews where she's like, I thought it was the most fun I've ever had. She just did one recently with Courtney Cox, yeah. you know, talking about the, the new movie that's coming out. Yeah, so she said, I, I thought this was the greatest thing, with it. greatest thing I've ever done. It was hilarious. It was fun. We enjoyed ourselves. She was like, Wes was a genius. He was absolutely right because now I get stopped. She's like, all the movies I've done, of course, people recognize E.T., everything else. She was like, but Scream is one of the movies that comes, the first thing that comes up. Yeah. It's amazing. You know, the thing that also got me with that, too, is, you know, that happens. You see the, the parents, they get home. They hear her on the other end of the phone line. The the husband tells the, the – the, her dad tells her mom to go down the street to the Beckers or whatever, or to the to the McKenzie's. McKenzie's. Which is a uh, – straight the out Beckers, of Halloween. The way, they're the Beckers, but the McKenzie's. They are yeah. the Beckers, right, which Halloween H2O uses them. Yes, Halloween go down the street back, to the Beckers. Beckers yeah. But tells them to go down the street to the McKenzie's. The mother goes outside and starts screaming. 
you see the father walk out, and then you see the shot come into Drew Barrymore hanging from the tree. And then we go title card. And then it goes to the title card. You hear the phone ring. You hear you, you see the scream thing on there. And then you see Nev Campbell sitting in her bedroom. Yes. And you kind of hear some thumping around outside. And I thought they were going to do the same thing again at that point. Yeah. I was like, oh, my keeps God, is this whole movie going? Because I didn't know horror movies keeps, at this point. Keeps you offset. So with that being said, now we're going to go into our goods and the bads. I think that that is such an iconic opening scene that you have to give it its due and that's obviously a gigantic plus for this movie absolutely uh listen i unlike the last uh, review when we were recording like a uh, new speak we're, we're recording this early obviously for you guys but we had just done the uh black christmas 2006 yeah. we started off with the bad or the good because they they far the bad far outweighed it this we're gonna still start out with the good because in this case it's the opposite there's very very There's little not in the much bad. That's bad here. So, uh, you know, just a peek behind our own reviews. I can, I know we both agree on this. So, let's let's go into some goods. Once again, we always talk about atmosphere. This movie has a ton of great atmosphere. It is small town America, which is where most of us live. I understand some people live in cities, and you know, it, it is what it is. But most people, you know, just by just geographic like features, live in small town USA. If you're from the U.S., if you're from one of our foreign, one of our the people who listen from another country, we appreciate you, we love you. But uh, this really does give you the feel of like small town. Like you know what this reminds me of, the, Woodsboro. It reminds me of Owego, like where we live in New York. It reminds yeah. me of Owego, New York. This nice little like Some houses downtown. that are out in the middle of nowhere, yes. yeah, and then there's the little town, but it's all nice. Like that is what Woodsboro is. This is not a place where the serial killer element is seen. So this place. Very, very struck because a year ago, Maureen Prescott gets murdered. Now we have the Becker girl gets murdered. And then shortly here, all hell's going to break loose. Yeah. And so the town is on edge and, you know, it, it really feeds into that. And there's a high school mentality. We have kids in high school. We get to meet all of our main characters. They're all in high school. They're all a group of friends. And it now we start getting into the whodunit. At this yeah, point, and, and let's just point out too, right from the start, they're all red herrings too. Oh yeah, everybody. <laughs> everybody. I mean, Billy gets arrested. Yeah, after the Becker killing, he gets arrested because they're like, "A, you have a cell phone," because they find that. B, you used to date the victim. So mo one hundred and one. Stu did. Stu. Well, no, yeah, Stu did. Stu dated. And then, him. but but still, he got. So it's a weird. Weird thing. Because, yeah, they, when they have the scene, they're all accusing each other, even. Right. Like, yo, you had the motive. You know, of course, Randy. Played by Did Jamie you find Kennedy. her liver in the mailbox? Because I heard they found the, the liver, liver in the, in the mailbox, mailbox next to her spleen and her something or her pancreas, I think. Yeah. It's great. But anyways, uh, I digress. So the positives of the atmosphere. Uh, another positive we just mentioned, oh, fucking comedy. This movie is yeah. self-aware. Yeah. It's meta. And it's hilarious. And the Randy character is really the character. Honestly, Jamie Kennedy has never been better than his role as Randy. Because as Randy Meeker, he ends up... Meeks. Meeks? Is it Meeks? I thought it was Randy Meeks. Meeks. It's Meeks? Okay. I thought it was for some reason. I thought it was You're Meeks. confusing it with Halloween 4 with Sheriff Meeker. Oh, yeah. That's right. I am. Damn. And his daughter. Oh, yeah. Well, that's five. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. Anyways, with that being said, I am confusing it. But anyways, Randy, Randy, Randy is turning around and he is like, he's like, he holds it together. He tells us all the rules of horror movies. He tells us what's good and bad ideas. And he's also good in comic relief. Now, other people are too. Matthew Lillard kills in the comic department. You know, everybody has their little things. I mean, we famously play though. I'll be right back. Yep. Like, like they make fun of the rules. They play fast and loose with the rules. But this movie also shows you the rules work at the same time that they do that. It's still a brutal horror movie. Somehow they found the perfect balance of, Hey, we can tongue in cheek this. We can make it a lot of fun, but we can still make this brutal because the kills in this movie are not for the weak of heart. Yeah. 
Lots of brutal. And of course, because it's a smaller knife, they're up close and personal kills. Yeah, that is true. Like that there's, is true. Like people always are like, oh, why why do you expect you know, like certain things make this ghost face an instant icon. And one of them is, I think, the brutality of the up close and personal kills. It's one thing to kill somebody from a distance. It's another thing to even kill them with a machete or a pitchfork or whatever and get creative. It's another thing to have like literally a, what maybe a four inch blade tops. Yeah, and you're gutting so. people with it. Yeah, it's it's impressive. It's brutal is the best word for yeah. it. Yeah, like you, you know. So right away, everybody's you know you get the feeling. Uh, I love the whodunit atmosphere. I you know on top of the horror movie, you have two different things going on at the same time. It's a horror movie that's also a whodunit. Because they they don't they don't shy away from the at, from the jump of this movie and the opening jokes about it. Like not only is there a killer, but you need to figure out who the killer is. Yeah. And you and the audience, we're we're gonna make it so you have to start guessing. So it's one of those great movies where they're like, oh man, it could be this person, it could be that person. Oh, I'm pretty sure it's that person. And they red herring everybody except for Sydney. Sydney is yeah. the only not he's the only person in this movie that's not red herring. Well, even they get her a little bit at one point. A She's in the bathroom, kind of hiding, and those girls come in. Which, by the way, Skeet Ulrich was apparently dating that one at that time of the movie. Oh, the one that's like, I bet you she did it for attention. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, but that's, a little bit. But that, really, I don't really think that but, was because, as the viewer of the movie, you always knew she wasn't. Right. You right. know what I mean? So like, She's the one being attacked. But over everybody and over, so. else, everybody else is, is a suspect. Is a suspect. Is a target on him. You know, that's they even that's a reference. theme that continues on with the whole series, obviously. Right, right. But I mean, I think that's what they did here, and it was perfect. Um, what else, uh, before we go into the finish of the film, because we're going to want to talk about the finish, uh, you got any more positives? Everything. There's, there's, <laughs> there's really, like you said, there's there's only a few negatives that I could really think of in this How about movie. you drop your couple negatives before we go I mean, these are nitpicky things at best. Yeah. You yeah, know? No, no, I agree. Go ahead. So... One thing is, like you said, we'll, we'll start with this. Uh, it kind of goes along with the conclusion of the movie, and this is another theme that, that carries on with every one of the, the four movies that have come out. My money says it'll happen in the new one, too. But you get to the whole movie, the killer is using a knife. You get to the end of the movie, and all of a sudden, they're toting around guns. Yeah, that's weird. You know, and that happens in every one of them. What do you need them for? The whole movie, your weapon of choice has been a knife. Why is it all of a sudden you unmask, and now you need a gun? Like, come on, you know that's. But technically, it's nitpicky, I was gonna say technically. It well, no, it's not fit. nitpicky, but I will, I will say because we're gonna, this is, we're gonna come back to this because you're absolutely right. If you ever think about it, though, the only, I think there's only one death, like from a killer to a victim with a gun, in the series, and I do believe not, not hero to killer, and that's in two. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Well, I think that's the only time the killer actually kills somebody with a gun. Yeah, yeah, that's the only time they kill the killer kills somebody with a gun. Yeah. However, they introduce the gun and they have shot it at people. Like the killers are the ones but that introduce the gun, until the end. But not until the end, exactly. Every but time. I'm just saying, but, they, but why is it? All but of the a sudden killer they introduces to that. the gun, right. which is weird. The whole movie they're using the knife. Yeah, exactly. You know? So it's nitpicky. It's just one right, of those right. things but that it to is, me. It is no. You know it's, what? It's lazy to it's, me. It is lazy. But, you know, it's whatever. The only other thing um, that always kind of, again, this is super, super nitpicky, but there's the scene where the girls are with Dewey and the sheriff tells Dewey to keep an eye on them. And he'll do sheriff and they go into like a convenience store or something and they're, or a grocery store and they're shopping. And all of a sudden you see in the in the reflection of the glass of one of the coolers. You see, they they walk away. And you see Ghostface standing there, and he disappears. Well, what is he running around? They don't know who it is. 
Why would he be running around in the store stalking them inside of a store where there's all these other people around dressed in the costume? He wouldn't need to at that point. I think they were trying to recreate jump scare the movie. Yeah, that's that's what you know. Again, it's kind of lazy. It was writing. one of it's, those. The, there, there's a couple choices from Kevin Williamson even in this movie that. Uh, let's be honest. There's a couple movies he's made over the years, or written, I should say, over the years yeah. that have been kind of questionable. I feel like his best work has been in like the Scream franchise, and there's a couple other things. Don't get me wrong; yeah. he's done some great work, but I, I feel like there's some tropes he gets stuck in. Yeah, does that make sense? Because later there's other movies we won't talk about him here, but you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, where he relies too heavily on weird right. shit like that. And I get why they did it at the time. You're watching the movie. You, you know, the first time you view this movie, you don't know that. You just say, oh, wow, the killer's stalking him. You know, you don't get that until later on. But it's like, why would the killer? Yeah, I agree. You know, especially with his relationship with the girls. You know, it's like, why? But well, at the same time, you also see time, times that there's kids in school that are running around kind of harassing her wearing the ghost face costume, too. Maybe it's just somebody else that's just, you know, maybe it's not the killer. Which, of course, the great Henry Winkler moment. Yeah. Of him threatening <laughs> to gut those kids with scissors. Right. And then cutting up one of the masks, which I just sold, it just sold at an auction, as we mentioned. I just a want to point ago. out too that in the fourth movie, you see a bronze bust of him in the hallway of the school real yes, briefly. I know. So, <laughs> I like that they brought He's him a back. hero. Uh, I heard Hembry. Yeah, I heard he was tied up on the goalposts by his by his intestines. <laughs> which I don't know because we never see we never see how he dies. Although that's well, where we do. get the. He gets stabbed. Well, yes, but we never see how he sets him up. Because remember the kids when they leave the party. When the kids leave the party, they're like, "I heard he's got tied up by the goalpost." Yeah, you don't see his remains. Exactly. I should have showed that. But uh, there's the fun part where Wes Craven does make his cameo as Fred the janitor. Fred the janitor, dressed in complete Freddy Krueger, wearing a Freddy yeah sweater. Did he have the glove on too? I think he did have a glove on, (laughs) but it wasn't knives, obviously. But he he definitely had the fedora and the 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 green and red uh, sweater. Uh, so that was really funny. I, like, like those moments are great in this movie, by the way. Yeah. Those are the moments that you go back and you can see, like, and there's, there's some that are even further in the back going through and seeing all the Easter eggs that they could, took good care of putting in this movie and all the callbacks to other horror movies. And it wasn't to insult them. It was like his homage. Yeah. If you actually listen, really pay attention to the movie, there are dozens of horror movie references in in this film they mention all of these other horror movies and there's little references to, i mean it's mostly halloween right this movie was an homage to halloween like as, oh, as halloween letter. was an homage to yeah. psycho this is a love letter in a lot of ways to halloween oh yeah but very here's much i love one of the things that i love more than anything and one of the most perfect scenes in this movie and then we're going to go into the end of the movie which is also really good is going into the end where Halloween is on the on on the TV, Randy Perfect is watching. Part. Everybody leaves. Randy's watching, and he's like, "Just turn around, Jamie. Why aren't you turning around?" Now, mind you, his real name is Jamie. Yeah, and he's yelling this, and, and don't don't think that that was on accident, because he keeps yelling, right. "Jamie, turn around, Jamie, turn around." And behind him is Ghostface, right, like this. Getting yeah, ready to getting get ready, and then and then he mo- leaves, and then of course the Memorex moment happens next, which is wonderful. Right, but it's just so right. funny that he's on the couch watching Jamie Lee Curtis and Halloween, and he's like, "Jamie, turn around." And it has been said, Kevin Williamson said, that that wasn't an accident. Right. That, that, that he was yelling Jamie and his real name is Jamie. Right. Turn around. Because all he had to do was turn around. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like tongue-in-cheek stuff and the perfection of that that made this script and this movie and how it was shot actually really good. Uh, going into the end, and once again, one of the better ends ever because we get the payoff that we want. Like you get everything and we get the swerve that there wasn't just one killer there was two and there is a theory that there was three but 
still, there was two And we'll come back killers. to that later We'll on. come back to that later in the series because that comes back later in the series. Two confirmed killers, and we find out that Stu was a killer. So Matthew Lillard. And then Skeet Ulrich, that son of a bitch, that sly fox that he is. Really was the killer after all. Was really the killer. And he's, he's a, right in our faces he's the a, whole time. He's a fucking psycho. Yeah. Like, the difference between the two killers is awesome. Because basically you can see that, like, Matthew Lillard's stew is just a... He's a lapdog. He's a, he's a lapdog. He's just doing this because his buddy, who he probably is a little more in love with than he should be. And he's, uh, also, he, he's also out there, too. Loose. He's got screws loose, but he's mostly doing it to follow him. And then Billy... Billy, which by the way is an homage to the 1974 yeah. uh, Black Christmas. Billy is 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 a nutcase, and we find out he did it because his dad was cheating with Maureen Prescott, Sydney's yes. mom, and that he was going to make her pay. And then for whatever reason, he decides he has to kill other people. That was the part that I never got. Like they yeah. don't do a good enough re- like he got away with the perfect crime. They pinned it on Cotton Weary. Cotton Weary's in. Although, but why would he go after Sydney? Right, there was no reason. There was know, no. But whatever. The I, revenge would have been hooking was, up with her right. daughter. You that know? was the one, that was like the one plot hole. That, uh, movies, of course. I love how they have her dad <laughs> type because they were trying to frame him. Yeah, that was, was the whole thing. By the way, the best part, it was it was a great frame job. They do an amazing frame job. Yep, like they have it all planned out. Including the fun part where they stab each other. And of course, the famous, I'm feeling a bit woozy, man. <laughs> I love that. That and between that and then, so yeah, and then when Sydney gets away at first and she calls and she's messing <laughs> with them. And he's like, you're really not going to tell my, my parents, are you? She's like, you bet your sweet ass am. My mom and dad are going to be so mad at me. <laughs> like, it's so hilarious because in that moment, you realize once again, how much of a lap dog he is. That he, I'm sure, yes, he has screws loose, but he, this to him is a game from his friend. You know what I mean? And he didn't yeah. think about the repercussions, not just death. He didn't think about the repercussions of his parents being mad at him. So he goes back to being a teenager, a senior in high school in yeah. that moment. And it, I think that makes it great. Now, mind you, he is dead because when the TV falls on his head. No, Mike, C, absolutely not. Stumacher is still alive and well. Uh, He's going to show up and scream 2022. He is alive. I have a new theory about that, but we're going to save it for later towards when the movie comes out. Because it's just a theory. It's not like I know anything. But I want to save it. But I I, I will tell you off air just so you hear. I have a new theory about who the killer is, by the way. So that's a tease for you guys later on. I don't want to ruin it now because we're going back to this review. Um, Of course, the end of the movie comes and, you know... Finally, you know, we got Stu Mocker meets his demise via television set, which old school TV for you young listeners, TVs used to be a lot bigger and a lot heavier. So when one falls on your face, it's not a good day. Yeah, those things would weigh. I had a 25 inch television, which back then was a big tube TV. Mm-hmm. And that thing weighed over 100 or had to weigh close to 100 pounds. And that it was TV, hard to carry. TV, I was strong and I couldn't carry mine. The TV that gets dropped on his head was easily at least a 38 inch screen. Yeah. If not bigger. Uh, it was probably a 38. Because I had a 38-inch Yeah, screen. it was, it was about probably about that. I mean, that thing so had to weigh 150. Pounds. It was like 100, 150. I think he got his hands up just in time. Whatever. I'm just saying, let's be honest. The he logic is there. The blow. Although, by the way, great kill. Let's count it as a kill for right now until proven otherwise. Great, yeah. great kill, though. Because yeah. like, anybody from that time is like, oh, shit, that would suck. Well, he's getting electrocuted <laughs> by it, too. I, yeah. yeah. Like, it falls on his face, then he electrocutes him. But I'm, just, I'm, I'm pretty sure that falling on your face from that angle is probably going to kill you anyways. So anyways, uh, you know, we find out that certain people who are supposed to be dead, like Courtney Cox, and of course, uh, Randy's still alive and kicking, uh, helped distract long enough that... I thought uh, you killed... I thought she said she was dead. Billy! Look, still does. Billy! 
gets uh, taken care of. But then he does the, uh, they do the final part with the gun that I do like in this movie. And it becomes, once again, a plot device for future ones where she the, she's like, it's, it's okay. It's over. It's not like a horror movie. The kill the, the the bad guy doesn't get back up. And then <laughs> they do the fun tongue in cheek where he's like, boo. He literally yeah. sits up, it says boo, and well, she's right like, after Randy bang. says This is be careful. This is the moment where the presumed dead killer comes back from the She's one like, final it's not and she goes, It's not a movie. That's not gonna happen. Not in my movie. And then all of a sudden she pops he pops up and just boos and she fucking shoots him right in between the right eyes. In the head. I love the finish. That's the end of our movie. Uh and, and and once again, the negatives I can agree with some of you. There's there's a couple plot devices. There's a couple little things, just nitpicky. But let's be honest, this movie from front to back is one of the greatest horror movies ever made, and it's one of the best movies ever made. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So before we give our scores, our official scores here, you know we like to give the scores around the internet. Let's see how everybody else deals with it. IMDb gives Scream 1996 seven point three out of ten. Metacritic, just critics alone, gave it 65% out of 100. Rotten Tomatoes, combined score is 79%. And Google users, 84% liked Scream 1996. Listen, man, I'm going to find myself a little higher than a lot of them. Yeah. Uh, for all the reasons we did, my score is simple. Listen, this movie is, is at the end of the day, go like in one movie, it catapulted Ghostface as an icon of horror. In one movie, it established that this should be a franchise because I don't think anybody left that theater. They didn't do the tease at the end like you do in other movies. The killers die in this movie. Like, that's unusual in horror movies. Like, usually you get a, uh, you know, if, if, if Jason dies, you get that little clue that he's coming back. If Freddy, quote unquote, dies, we get the little clue that he's coming back. That doesn't happen here. After that final shot in between the eyes, we go to basically, we start rolling the fucking credits. And, and you know, we, we go outside the house, you see the cops pulling up, and eventually it fades to black. But, and then it goes into the, the slice cut things. But we start rolling credits. It's over. Right. Movie's over. Right. No tease for the future. But I think everybody there was like, man, I need more from this. And we this needs to be a franchise. As it was. And it still is. And remember, I made the challenge that I was going to prove how this was probably a better franchise than Halloween. In my opinion. And it, we'll, we'll go through that. I just want to remind everybody, I'm not crazy. We'll go through that. So much like Halloween, you do have a, a first iconic movie. Like you have the surprise kill of the, the megastar of the film that all of the promotional tools are behind. You have, and she dies first within 10 minutes. You have, you know, the whodunit atmosphere. You have a great amount of comedy as well as having brutal kills. This wasn't like, oh, Wes Craven went to the well like Freddy Krueger and we just get ton-in-cheek slapstick stuff that becomes less scary. No, this movie is still scary. There's still a lot of suspense. There's still brutal kills, but there's still funny moments. Oh, yeah. And a great Scooby-Doo ending. And a great Scooby-Doo ending. Exactly. It's everything you could ask for. Especially if you're in our age group, because Scooby-Doo was big. And we really do get a Scooby-Doo ending. We really do. You know? Uh, and that's another nice nod to these movies, the Scooby-Doo's. Uh, but, yeah, I, I I think this movie's great. Kevin, this is possibly Kevin Williams. If this is not his best written movie, it's his top two. I'd have to see a list of everything that he's written, but I I can't imagine that this isn't his best. I, I, I think this is... He's he's done some amazing stuff, but I think he this is... He did. I know what you did last summer. I know that. Yeah. He also... Uh, he's, he's done a couple movies that we really like, but I mean, I think this is still his best piece. I would agree. Easily. Hands and that's down. not And that's not saying anything bad. That's not saying anything bad about him and his writing. That's just saying how good this movie was. And Wes Craven knocked it out of the park. The guy who everybody was like, well, your career's over. Somehow, again for the 20th time in his career, found out how to reinvent himself. Right. Because the one thing most people forget about Wes Craven is 
every time he has a hit, everybody's like, well, that's it for him. But he seems to just keep moving it over. Right. And here's the thing with Wes Craven, too. You know, you got like you got all the great legends. You got Hitchcock. You know, I would say Hitchcock with all those legendary movies. Psycho was probably his best film. I think that that's one that, you know, some people may dispute that, but I think most people would agree. John Carpenter, I would say Halloween was his biggest film, even though he had a lot of other, The Thing was fantastic. The Fog is fantastic. All these other movies he did were fantastic, but Halloween was his big one. Wes Craven also did A Nightmare on Elm Street, and I would say that Freddy Krueger is, you know, probably the more iconic villain of the two. I was going to say, if he's not, well, you got to be honest, Freddy Krueger is either the number one or number two most iconic killer in movies of of all time. It's either him or Jason, and it depends on your list. Over over the last 25 years since this movie came out, Ghostface is in that conversation now, and when you want to compare these things, really, when you think about it, what is the better movie? Scream oh. or Nightmare on Elm Street because they're pretty comparable in terms of oh, yeah. they're two different types of movies, but they're both slashers. They're both excellent. I mean, it depends they, on what they you're are looking in for. the same conversation. I mean, if we're it, talking one Nightmare another. 1 versus Scream yes. original, if yes. we're just talking about those movies, the only real difference is Nightmare 1 is super mean-spirited. Like, that movie is 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 a terrifying movie. Oh, yeah. Like, that is the scariest of the Nightmare movies, hands down. Right. Because that is where Freddy... This is before one-liner Freddy. Right. Like, you have a couple, like, I'm your boyfriend now, but even how that plays out doesn't play out like slapstick. Right, That right. plays out as creepy as shit. But then you, you know, so, like, that's the main spirit movie where this is more of a movie where you're like, okay, I like the roller coaster ride he sets us on. Yeah. Because, like, the comedy actually gets you to forget that you're in a terrifying movie. And what that does is when the next terrifying thing hits, you're like, son of a bitch. Right. I forgot. I forgot that this is a thrill ride. You know, it's like a roller coaster. It's up and down, up it and is. down. And the comedy is so good that it, it doesn't make you feel like you're in a, in a valley, but it's just lulling you into going, oh, shit, I'm going to get scared in two right. seconds. And it's not bad, corny comedy. No, it's pretty it's funny. Excellent. Very well written. Um, so, and you know, and here's the thing too, between Halloween and this, and then from this to now, there were so many movies that clearly influenced this movie. And, you know, a lot of people have always said, that's just a ripoff of all those movies. Well, maybe it is, but they did it intentionally that way. But how many movies has this inspired oh, in the last 25 years? Done. I'd say more, maybe more than Halloween, although Halloween is the one that inspired all of it. Well, you could, you, you, the only reason you can argue Halloween's more uh, respected and is inspired more is because everything's been inspired. Right. More. So but technically there was a speaking, shift in, in the tone of these yes. movies from Scream forward. Oh, yeah. They were always more serious for the most part. Between Halloween and Scream. Well, this movie directly this, one, this movie directly inspires H2O. Oh, yeah. H2O borrows Scream elements in H2O, which it's is a great movie. music for God's right, sake. Right, right, right. But it borrows that from it. Oh, yeah. So there it is. But there's just everything copied this. You had Urban Legend. You had I Know What You Did Last Summer. You had just... There was so many of them that were inspired by Scream because all of a sudden now you're getting... You're going from no-name actors... To getting these up and coming rising big time stars, we got to get the big star for the opening kill. We got to do this. We got to do that. We have to take this. I take it, it wasn't a step like that before Scream. I take it a step farther. This movie really inspires. Not mind you, it's not the first movie to ever do a kill really quick into a movie. There's right. been a ton of horror movies, but this was the first one that really popularized it, and that that's become a horror trope now. Actually, for better for most part, unless oh, yeah. it's cheesy. And then the other thing that this really inspired that people don't really give it credit for, and I think you should, is the rise of the dark comedy. Yeah, like without Scream, do we have Shaun of the Dead? 
Oh yeah. Without without Scream, do we have later on Cabin in the Woods, which is a really good movie, but it's hilarious. Or one of our favorite movies and uh the fuck what <laughs> Ready or Not. Oh yeah. Would you have any of those movies without Scream? Scream made the dark comedy a popular thing. It did. But again, every movie after this for how many years took a big time celebrity cast them to be the opening kill oh, a ton once again this is a highly influential movie very big highly even though it was very highly influenced by halloween and nightmare on elm street and, oh, yeah. and friday the 13th and everything else because they mentioned them in the movies you again you go back and you listen to this it's amazing how many different movies that they oh, reference yeah. in oh, yeah. it but this movie influenced so many and this this really has in a lot of ways become one of the greatest horror movies of all time people may disagree with that I think that that's pretty much a pretty good opinion to have of this movie at this point. Well, uh, my review is simple. Like with all that being said, my score in this movie, it is not quite Halloween level, which is about as good as it gets because we know I will never give a 10 to anything. And that's why Halloween and Jaws are all nine and a half because that's, but it is a step below. And by, by a step below, I actually give this a nine out of 10. I think this movie fires on all cylinders. It does what it needs to do. It influenced a ton of stuff after it. It revitalized horror in a decade where horror was supposed was to be dead. And it revitalized it like that. Brought it back instantly. Like that. Like just no. This, was no a, this is a true. This word gets overused a lot. It was an instant classic. Oh, absolutely. Instant classic. Absolutely. And it definitely spurned on some really good movies and some really bad movies. Don't get me get me. And I don't think wrong. we did box office, but this movie made like $175 million at the box office at a time where that was not happening. Yeah, I think not I for I did, these. Unfortunately, I did forget to do the box I still office. Got Wikipedia. I, got, I, got it, I got it right here. $173 million yep. on a $14 to $15 million budget. budget. So amazing. They made a ton of money. Huge they made all money. the monies. All Huge the monies. money. But with that being said, I give it a 9 out of 10. Mike C., what do you give it? So I actually, you know, we're back here. When we when we did Black Christmas, you gave that a 4 out of 10. I gave it 5.5 out of 10. Um, with this one, I'm, I'm going to agree with you actually here. You know, Halloween, Black Christmas, Jaws, The Exorcist, those are 9.5 out of 10s. Those are as close to perfection as you could possibly get without being perfect. I, I also give Scream a 9 out of 10. I think that highly of this film. Absolutely. Absolutely. It deserves, it deserves to be. Well, with that being said, we want to hear from you. Do you guys agree with us? Is this a classic to you? Do you dislike it? Did you have reasons? Did we miss something that you would have you would have thrown in there? We always want to hear from you guys. Hit us up on them social medias. HorrorZone607 on Facebook. Like and share the page. We're at HorrorZone607 on Twitter and Instagram. Use the hashtag HZ607 whenever talking about the show. Of course, visit 8122productions.com to get all of your information about HorrorZone607. The Three Fat Nerds podcast. Podcast 607 TWS and more. Of course, we have friends of the show there. We have musical guests there. We have local sponsors. We also have links to the T Public store where you can buy sweet ass merch and help support us. Also, the link to twitch.tv slash 607 podcast is there because uh, we got a lot of fun stuff going down there at all times. And of course, if you would, the link to Patreon is there as well. And if you would like to spend a dollar a month, and get a ton of extra bonus content. You can do that at patreon.com slash 8122productions. Don't worry if you don't remember all of the things I just said. They are in the liner notes to this very podcast right below. Check and click on the links. It'll take you over there and help us out. Spread the word of Horror Zone 607. With that being said, Mike C., that's all I have for these fine folks. Take them home. Thank you, Rich, very much. I wanted to just thank everybody for tuning in and listening. We here at Horizon 607 want to wish everybody the happiest of holidays. Please have a very safe, healthy, and happy Christmas. Merry Christmas. Happy Kwanzaa. Whatever it is that you celebrate, please enjoy it. Enjoy it safely. Please be healthy. 
And uh, next week, we will be back with our review of Scream 2. So, until then, Porridge, Spooky Mike, saying, see ya!